Merry Christmas. I, I, love, I love saying Merry Christmas because it only has one meaning. It means Christmas is here and it's really merry and I'm really happy. And, you know, there are some words in the English language that aren't that way. They have multiple meanings. Uh, let me give you an example. The word cool. It could be temperature. It could be that you're, it's acceptable. Or it could be that you're endorsing something. That's cool. Uh, one of the words that I like from the West Coast is dude. Dude, you know, originally means a person or a guy, but, but you can use it for anything you want. You can make an inquiry, dude, or you can emphasize it with an exclamation, dude, or you can, you can show disapproval, dude. You can use it for anything you want because some words just have multiple meanings. It's kind of like the word love. We're talking about love today. In the English language, love is used for a variety of different things. It's, it's somewhat of a generic, a general, a broad, a common, a non-specific word. Let me give you an example. I love pizza with jalapenos. I love basketball. I love my wife. Hopefully not in that order. See, you, we can love, it's the same word, but it's different meanings. And, and we can use the same word to imply different things. And it's, in the English language, context determines everything. But in the Greek language, the language that the, that the New Testament was written in, there are several different words to describe love. It's more specific. It's, it's more... Uh, it's more focused, and, and it will, it's a specific, detailed, focused word. When the Bible used that, that same word in John 3.16, Jesus was using a specific, detailed, focused word. It wasn't in a broad term. It wasn't up to the person that was hearing it to, uh, to determine what it meant. Jesus had a specific meaning behind it. See, in the dialogue with Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a ruler of, of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night inquiring of him what he felt he needed to do to have eternal life. And that's when, in this dialogue, passage of Scripture, because it is very focused, it's very detailed, and when we begin to look at it, we can understand a greater meaning and perspective. Jesus is saying God, Theos, the creator of all life, the creator of all living cre uh, creatures, God, the ruler over everything that we know and perceive and understand, that same one that spoke the world into existence, that holds the stars in place. That's a big God, don't you think? I mean, if you look around, I find it amazing that, that uh, you know, today we hear a lot of people saying, well, I'll follow the science. We'll all follow the science on this, and I'll follow the science on that. But when you really begin to follow science, you have to understand that there is a creator because this just didn't happen on its own. 
The second law of thermodynamics simply says that everything in this world seems to go from order to chaos. I did an experiment once with, a, with an eighth grade science class. Somebody had thrown a bologna sandwich out the window and, and we watched it over the course of a week. At the end of, by Friday, nobody wanted to eat that. That's the way the law of thermodynamics is, and yet creation goes the other way. Creation says there is a God, and it's that God that, that Jesus is speaking of. He says, for God so loved the world. I want to look at that word, loved. For God so loved. So God, agape, passionate love. God was specific in his devotion. God is speaking about one portion of humanity in this God so loved the world. God is speaking about the world, not just in which he created, but God is speaking not just about the cosmos, but God is speaking about humanity. John 1.10 says this, He was in the world, speaking of Christ, and the world was made by him. You got to grasp that for a moment. Christ was in the world and the world was made by him. Colossians 1 tells us that he is the image of the invisible God. And by him all things were created and by him all things consist. If you still think that Jesus was just a little man or a, man or a baby born in the manger, you need to look at the scripture again because he is far greater than just a man. There's a lot of people who goes around today and, they, and they'll say, well, he was, a good, he was a good man. He was a philosopher. He was a teacher. He, he influenced societies. In fact, uh, most of American uh, law and the Constitution is built upon the teachings of Christ and, 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 the, and the Scripture. But he was far greater than that. Creator of all life. God so loved the world. He said he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. I would submit to you today, to your understanding, that the physical world knew who Jesus was. After all, Jesus walked on water. I read an article once that, that said that uh, occasionally every hundred years or so that, that, that the Sea of Galilee would, would freeze and, and there would be pockets of ice and what they really felt like was that Jesus did walk on water but he was actually just jumping from one piece of ice to the other. Yeah, that, that, would, that was fun. The, the water obeyed his command. Jesus walked on water. Jesus calmed the storms. He was stood on the bow of a ship when his, when his followers, when his disciples were terrified. And, and he looked out the bow of the ship and said, Peace, be still. And the winds and the waves obeyed his command. Don't you love that? See, the physical world knew who Jesus was. So, what world was Jesus describing in John 3.16? He came to the world. I would submit to you that, that that world 
was a definite, specific, exact. God loved humanity. Because you see, it was humanity that didn't understand who Jesus was. It was humanity that hung him on a cross. Not the rocks, not the mountains, not the water, not the streams, not the air. But humanity didn't know him. And the scripture says, for God so loved humanity. God so loved the people of the world. God so loved us. God so loved you. If you haven't ever done that, I would encourage you to take John 3.16 and everywhere it says you, or just put your name in there. For God so loved your name. See, this is what that word love means, so loved. Jesus was speaking and declared that God so loved humanity that humanity in its flawed state, humanity in the darkness of sin, humanity in the, in the captivity of iniquity, under condemnation of death, God looked down and said, God so loved that he was compelled to act on our behalf. I love that. God so loved. God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved. See, love is passionate. It's to love deeply. It's emotionally connected. It's passionately aware. It's purposely attentive. That's what agape love means. That, that God looked down at humanity and he saw that we were in a, in a state where we could not help ourselves. And he looked down on us and he didn't condemn us. He didn't look down on us and say, I can't believe they're doing what they're doing. God was so moved in his heart with compassion, with, with intimate awareness with that, that he had to do something. You see, humanity wasn't capable of acting. True love compels people sometimes to act in ways that, that in times of need. Have you ever read, I, I've read of mothers that have, that have sacrificed their lives or fathers that have sacrificed their lives for their children. And, and every once in a while you read a story of, of maybe a child. I read a story once of a child that his dad was working on the car and the jack fell and the car was on him and a 12-year-old child lifted the car up so his dad could get out. Amazing acts of, of strength and courage. And they were all instigated by love. When the scripture says God so loved the world that he was moved within himself to do something you had to realize that humanity wasn't able we weren't capable of, of of acting on our own we couldn't do it on our own and there are times in our lives that sometimes our friends or our family our loved ones are are in need and we lack the ability to do anything about it have you ever been there oh it's a, it's a terrible place to be when somebody is hurting and you don't have the ability, you don't have the strength, you don't have what it takes to bless them, to help them, to strengthen them. 
There are times that we, we weep with them, but we cannot change the circumstances. We cannot reverse the outcome. And, it, and it's that way with, when God looked down at us that we could not do it. We can't. God could. And God did. See, God was so moved with emotion, this deep abiding feeling and desire, that he did what no one else could do. God changed humanity's circumstances. God took humanity and took his number one enemy, death, and crushed them under his foot. How did he do it? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Not a son, not a son of many, but one. God gave his one and only begotten son, one of a kind, unique, never before seen, the one and only Jesus. God gave him for us. Now, you may ask yourself, why? Why, why, would, why would God do that? And the answer really is simple and yet complex as well. The simple answer that we can understand is simply this. It was the only way that he could save us. It was the only way. See, no matter how good we are, no matter how good humanity is, we always fall short. There's never been a person outside of Christ that that has been born perfect. And, And God required a perfect sacrifice for our sins. You say, well, why would God require a sacrifice? I'm going to ask you to ask him when you get there. There are some things in Scripture that that we can look at and we can articulate and we, we can specify and we can look at it from a theological lens and we we can debate on it and look at it but the reality is God is God and God requires some things that that are beyond the human comprehension and this is where faith comes in that when we were lost in sin when we had no hope when humanity was lost and dying God looked down and he was so moved with compassion that he robed himself in flesh and Christ was was born. Mm. See, Jesus was different than everybody else. Chuck, Chuck mentioned that, that Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit. See, every, every one of us, we have our spirit from man. And, and, and Mary, Mary carried the baby, and Mary gave birth to the baby. And Spirit came from God. Mary carried a child and gave birth to a son in Bethlehem's manger. But Jesus' spirit was God. Jesus didn't receive the fallen nature that you and I have possessed and and will continue to possess until, until the Lord comes. Scripture tells us that the spirit of God conceived in Mary and Mary gave birth as a virgin. The only virgin to bring life into the world. Impossible for human effort. But nothing's impossible with God. You see, I I love this. I love talking about Christ. Because Christ came 
and defeated our enemy. Christ came, and, and, when, and when that story began to unfold, the angels marveled, and, and creation bowed, and, and the devil shook with fear. And he tempted Jesus throughout his life, and, and, he, and he tried to, to get him to sin. He tried to get him to serve him, and he tried to get him to do something that was wrong. But Christ didn't do anything wrong. In fact, Philippians 2 tells us what's so amazing about Christ is he set aside his royalty and his regal robes of majesty and he set aside his omnipotence and he set aside his power and Christ said, I'm going to come and I am going to defeat the enemy of man and I'm going to do it not with my power, not with my glory, but with my moral virtue, who I am. For I am love, I am righteous, I am holy, and there is nothing in this world that can tempt me to sin. Wow. That's why Christ came. To give us life. Look what he goes on to say. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you believe? I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. Do you believe? Do you believe the story of Christmas? Not, not the presents, not the trees, not the lights. I love all of those things. But Christmas is about our Savior, a light that shined in darkness. Man, if anybody has a reason to celebrate, it's us. And you say, well, why are you celebrating in 2020? <laughs> well, I'm celebrating it's almost over. But I'm also celebrating the fact that it doesn't matter what happens in this world. It doesn't matter what happens in this life. I have a Redeemer. I have a Savior that has conquered all of our enemies and put them under his feet. And we get to live because he lives. We get to, to reign with him because he reigns. And, and he is the savior of the world. And he invites us to enter into a relationship with him. So at Christmas, I want you to think about not just that babe born in the manger, who that babe was and why he came and why we get to celebrate. Would you stand with me?